So yeah, so we are uh, the community wellness team at Alethea House uh, in the Birmingham area. And today, uh, what we're gonna be sharing with you guys is um, a program called LEAD, which stands for Listen, Engage, and Deliver. And today's lead topic is about hip hop and substance abuse. So uh, we will be talking about hip hop culture, what it is, um, the origins of the culture, and then we'll be uh, talking about what hip hop looks like in, in music and uh, the music that you're probably listening to today. And so we definitely want you to interact and engage with us and uh, share some of your perspectives. Um, so we will go ahead and get started. Um, if you do have questions, you can um, you can utilize the chat box, um, which you guys are probably familiar with from, I'm sure all the video conferencing and things that you've been doing over the last several months. Um, so I'm gonna share my screen. and get started so when we uh like i told you guys in the beginning um part of this will be interactive and actually i want to start with some interactions so what would y'all say hip-hop is what is um what is hip-hop um, a genre of music Or do you want me to go deeper than that? Yeah, keep going. No, you, no, you good. Um, yeah, genre music. Yeah. It's a genre of music that I think originated in, I want to say the Bronx. And um, it's in New York. It's debated if it's the Bronx or if it's Queens. But I think it's the Bronx. Um, and it's supposed to channel and express um, certain things, issues that were going on in the community um, that... Um, uh, I guess that um, people outside of the community didn't know about. Um, so it was our way of addressing certain issues um, and just basically expressing ourselves. Um, but yeah. Um, I also think it's a culture. Um, it's uh, a, a way of of interacting, um, it's a community, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty much a way of life that represents, uh, expression. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? Okay, well, you guys are absolutely uh, spot on with what hip hop is. Um, let me see. There are some, they're just leaving messages in the chat instead yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, some. so tell us some of the messages in the chat while let some more people into the, uh, into the room. Uh, some people have shared that it's a lifestyle, um, one of the best cultures in music. Okay. It's, right. It's <laughs> The music, the clothes, the culture, um, it's the way to show how who people are and who they portray themselves to be. That's good. Yes, yes. Okay, y'all. All right, all right. 
Okay, so um, let me share the screen again because you guys are all um, a thousand percent right. Like y'all, y'all on point. So I got a little bit more to add and share, but I'm excited about these answers and the discussion that we're gonna have a little later. Okay. All right, so uh, a brief history of hip hop culture. Okay, so hip hop as we know it today, like when we say hip hop and what comes to mind, um, hip hop culture has a actual birthday and that day is August 11th, 1973. This is a day known as the birth of hip hop because it is a day that Cindy Campbell, who at the time she was a 17 year old girl in the Bronx, Shout out to Ian. Uh, she's a 17 year old girl in the Bronx. And uh, like so many young people, especially around this time of year, usually, you know, you're thinking about back to school and school clothes. So Cindy wanted to be fresh on the first day of school. So she had an idea that she was gonna do this block party and she was gonna charge the ladies a quarter, the guys 50 cents, and she was going to sell um, refreshments at this party. Now, Cindy worked at a rec center for her summer job, so she ended up having her dad rent a room at the rec center for her. Um, she bought a lot of snacks to sell, and then she got her little brother, um, Cool Hurt, to DJ the party, so she didn't have to pay for a DJ. So Cindy was a very smart, uh, young, budding entrepreneur. So August 11th comes, uh, Cindy has put out flyers and, and postcards and let everybody know this party is happening. And people from all over uh, the city of New York came to this party. It was, of course, the DJ, which was her brother, but just other DJs from around the area. Um, there were dancers, break dancers that came through. There were graffiti writers. Um, there were MCs or rappers. Everybody came to this space and they were just hanging out, having a really good time. Um, I actually had the opportunity to meet Cindy Campbell in um, 2011. And uh, I got to talk to her about everything that happened on that day and like what it was like. And so she was saying that like, in addition to it being a, a lot of young people there, she said everybody came out, like the grandparents were out there, the aunties, the mamas, everybody was out there, the dads, the uncles, and everybody just had a good time. And she said that she felt like the spirit on that day was just such a good energy. She feels like that's really what cultivated how the culture was able to grow from there. Um, in addition to bringing all these people together, Cindy made $500. So she literally started a, uh, a, a life as an entrepreneur on that day. From that party, that is really what took hip hop in the elements. Like you guys mentioned all these different elements that make up what hip hop is. That brought all the elements together and it like grew out of that. Um, another significant day in hip-hop history, hip-hop culture, is uh, November 1974, and this is when the Zulu Nation was created. Um, the Zulu Nation was basically like young people in a community who were really tired of the violence that they saw, the gang violence going on in the community, and they wanted to shift that energy. So instead of um, different crews 
fighting each other or coming against each other, they formed into like culture crews, you could say, like, you know, different breakdancing crews, different graffiti crews, like people within the culture who, um, you know, they had their clique, but they had to revolve around the art and the element of hip hop. The Zulu Nation in the years since 1974 really, um, for decades, really was like kind of, um, I guess, the uh, the keepers of the culture. They're really, um, for decades, were really the ones to, to help everybody understand that this was more than just music. Like hip hop, you know, was more than just something that was on the radio. It was an actual culture underlying that and they were the ones to begin to show the connection to uh to africa and how many of the elements came from the continent um another significant element or day in hip-hop history is uh, when we talk about graffiti writing and so um again like i was telling y'all the zulu nation started showing the connection of hip hop to uh, the continent of Africa, when we think about writing on walls, that's not a new thing. Um, we can look at uh, pyramids that are thousands of years old in Egypt, and they're full of hieroglyphs, full of writing on walls. So this is this is a, a old um, practice and an act, and uh, it became hip hop though around 1971 with uh, a guy who went by the tag of Taki 183. And he was basically like a, a delivery, a message delivery person in uh, the Washington Heights area of New York. And so when he would go on his route to deliver the messages, he would tag or spray paint Taki 183. And then it would just kind of expand from there. We'll go from just along the route to, well, where can I get it bigger and bolder? You know, uh, tagging, um, uh, train cars and billboards, things of that nature. And so other youth around New York would see this tag and that inspired them to let their name and their voice be heard. And uh, and so the, uh, the tags would get more elaborate, you know, more beautiful pictures. Um, you know, if you look at some of the old um, pictures from the 1970s, in uh, New York, if you just like Google, you know, graffiti, graffiti art in the 70s, you'll see some amazing pieces. But Taki183 is like the one who is um, credited with that. All right, so when we talk about breakdancing, um, that definitely has its roots um, from slavery. Many of these things, many of these elements we can trace them back to the period of enslavement and then even further back to the continent of Africa. But specifically with breakdancing um, in Brazil, um, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but that that was a major hub during the slave trade. Of course, America was, you know, but Brazil was like um, one of the top ports of uh, the, the uh, slave trade. And so uh, just like we had our struggle and our story here, the same thing uh, was true in Brazil. One of the things that they used to fight slavery though, the enslaved people was um, a form of fighting that they created. And the way they had to kind of play it off, because of course that was not allowed, was they made it look like dance. And so, um, if, if you think about how breakdancing looks and like this picture of this guy right here, 
um, down on the ground um, on his arm. Like that's one of the uh, the breakdancer moves. But if you think about it, it's like a series of kicks of like arm punches, flips. These were actually uh, combative moves that the enslaved people taught, but they had to teach it in a way, you know, where that the, the uh, oppressors did not know that's what they were doing. And uh, that is the, the literal origin of, of breakdancing. Now, I told you guys all of this info about the history of hip hop uh, as we know it today and uh, its roots in the 70s. And uh, many of these things, when I learned them, I was just like, you know, that really doesn't remind me of a lot of things with hip hop, you know, with the hip hop I experienced. Um, where that shift really happened, where, where hip hop became like a cultural phenomenon, like we know it, because all these things were all underground. It became a cultural phenomenon beginning in 1979 with the release of the song Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. What that did was that allowed hip hop to go from just being like something the kids around New York did in the streets for fun to something that was on a major platform like radio and TV. Excuse um, me, Dr. Dia. Yes. I had some kids that saying they waited to get accepted in. They're not in. Oh, okay. Let's see. Uh, Okay, I don't see them. I don't see them in the waiting area. Can you tell them to try to get in again? It pops up when they're um when they're in there. Okay, just try to go out and come back in. Okay. Okay, so hip hop, um, like I said, it was uh, with rappers alike. Once that song came out, that really uh, took hip hop to a uh, a global platform because it was a song that was on the radio, and and you didn't have to be in New York to uh, to experience that. And so um, it was a party song. It was a fun song, um, and it just took way took fire real quick. But a song that that brought a more um, storytelling tone, which is what um, I think that uh, that some of us think of when uh, we think of hip hop. Just like people um, in the chat were saying that uh, it's inspirational, it can be controversial. That that hip hop that we know um, really took shape in 1982 with the release of the song "The Message." by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious uh, Five. With that song, um, they were able to really capture what was going on in their communities. They were able to talk about um, some of the police brutality they saw, the, the drug abuse they saw, some of the poverty they saw, stories that usually were not told and were definitely not told in a song. Um, when I was coming up and listening to rap, adults really did not get why we wanted to listen to it because they're like why would you want to hear somebody talking about 
um, hard experiences. But like some of you guys were saying um, in the chat, you know, you you hear somebody else's story and you can gain inspiration, or you could even feel seen in um, in hearing their story. So there is another piece I want to share with you guys um, on this slide, and then we're gonna get to um, to some of y'all's y'all's comments about artists that you listen to or artists that that you're aware of in this time. Okay, so um, there is a document called the uh, the Hip Hop Declaration of Peace. This is it right here. This uh, picture here, um, and it is available um, online. It's 18 different principles. And uh, it was adopted by the United Nations in 2001. And at that time, they recognized hip hop as an international culture of peace. So those of you that call hip hop a culture, it is legit official a culture and is recognized by the United Nations. And in the last couple years, they've gone on to say that hip hop is one of the fastest growing cultures in the world because it is global. It exists on um, all continents. And so uh, within this document, they list nine different elements of hip hop culture. Some of them we've already talked about, um, the DJing element, the b-boying and b-girling, which is um, breakdancing, emceeing, which is uh, rapping, graph writing or graffiti art. Um, somebody in the chat mentioned street fashion, and absolutely street fashion is a major um, element of the culture. If you guys have Netflix, there's a, a movie that just came out like last week on Netflix called The Remix, and I would strongly recommend it. It's all about the fashion element of hip hop, and uh, talks about Dapper Dan and Lisa Hilton. Um, another element mentioned in the Hip Hop Declaration of Peace is street knowledge, which is also knowledge itself, understanding who you are and connecting, you know, with the soul of who you are. Um, another element that we don't always think about is street language. So the lingo and the words we use, which, um, you know, it's new, new lingo every, every other week. Um, you know, something that, that somebody says and some things fall off and, and then come back. But street language is, is definitely an element of hip hop culture. Um, beatboxing, which is making music with your mouth or, you know, you being the instrument. And then the last element is street entrepreneurialism. So that is the making something out of nothing concept. When we think about how hip hop culture came to be, it was really young people making a way out of no way. Like even if we think about Cindy Campbell and what she did at 17, like she literally took the, the, uh, the things that she had, the resources that she had and she created something new but uh street entrepreneurialism is key and um with some of the things that we're going to talk about next um hip-hop culture and its elements really became a great hub of entrepreneurialism like there's people who have created generational wealth like strictly off of, of hip-hop so let me unshare the screen and um, so, like I said, hip hop, um, and especially uh, some of the things that you guys have already mentioned, um, is something that, that is a industry. 
And uh, when we think about hip hop and uh, and substance abuse, I think that that industry piece goes hand in hand. According to Spotify in 2015, hip hop or rap genre music was the most streamed music in the world, which is major. It passed rock and roll, country, everything to be the most streaming music in the world. And there are a variety, you know, of, of types of music within that rap, hip hop genre. But to keep it real, you know, a lot of it does uh, uh, glorify or try to put a positive spin on substance abuse. Um, can you guys name any artists or any uh, songs that you're aware of that uh, glorify or try to try to justify uh, substance abuse? Um, Future, like he do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's that? Sipping on some scissor. Sip, sip, <laughs> sipping on some scissor. That right there. Yeah, so it took back three six mafia. Yes, yeah, and that's a good example because what we're talking about is not new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the the um the artist, but it's the song that says we rolling, we xed out. Um it's a song, I, I, but I know they keep saying it in the chorus. We're rolling, we're rolling, we're xed out. So mm -hmm. I, I know they're talking about um, prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, even uh, Grandmaster Flash had that song "White Lines," so mm -hmm. <laughs> that just shows right there. Even at the beginning, you know, they're talking about uh, certain things or like uh, substance abuse that goes on. Um, and that was yeah. the genesis of it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Big's trial, uh, um, Mary Jane, Elisa, I, I don't know, this is Kara or Kara. Mm -hmm. I guess the song is called Here. Are you Googling? Uh, uh, no. This is in the chat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the highest in the room. Mm-hmm. And it's a little pump, drug addicts. It's a lot. It's a lot of songs. And I think especially um now with the, the current wave of artists, it seems to be more accepted and more uh glorified in a lot of ways, even in some of the artists' names, like Lil Xan, you know, and um and uh, I'm sure it's it's more that I can't think of at the moment, but even in the names, uh, they are, um, you know, in, in embellishing and embracing Smoke a perp. drug culture. That's another name, Smoke Perk. Smoke Perk, yeah. Yep. Yep. It's, it's a lot. And the thing about particularly, um, someone mentioned uh, Future and some of the party uh, type artists and songs, it plays into that party culture. And, you know, nobody sets out thinking that they're going to have a substance abuse problem. When they're rapping about these uh, using drugs or, um, you know, glorifying 
using drugs, they're not saying it with the thought that I continue to do this and I'm throwing my life away. They're saying it because it's, you know, it sells, to be quite honest. And and it's um if people are, are having fun and, and they're out partying and dancing, it is, you know, it, it is playing into that. And so this is why listening responsibly um, is important. Being a responsible consumer of music is, is crucial. Um, Chris, is Christy still on here? I was gonna have her share about some of the, uh, the things that she's seen in the work that she's doing now uh, at one of our uh, substance abuse programs. I think she just dropped off. Christy, are you uh, still here? I think she uh, she's going to pop back on, but I had a question yeah. for you. Go ahead. Um, do you think that uh, most people listen to music for the rhythm, the beat, before they start to actually listen to the lyrics? Um, so that's how they get us to, to feel that music? Yeah. Ab yeah, absolutely. It plays a part. And even with some of the lyrics, um, the thing is they want to get you hooked or, you know, because people call the chorus the hook. You want it, they want it to be something catchy that you can easily understand and lock into because that generates sales and, and sales, you know, leads to money. So absolutely, that is, uh, that is definitely key is, is hooking people with the beat first. And um, some people will argue, you know, we, we shouldn't get to serious in the lyrics. People don't want to hear lyrics that, that are talking about anything. They you just want to feel good. You got to be conscious of the words you choose to nod your head to. Um, <clears throat> one thing that to, to even to piggyback off what you said, D, what I think is funny or like what I think is kind of genius is um, I don't know if y'all remember Kendrick Lamar's song Drink or Swimming Pool where the beat is really dope and it sounds like he's promoting drinking, but if you actually listen to what he's saying, he's actually not promoting it at all. And he's actually like saying, no, this is bad. You shouldn't do this. Um, which shows like a, a juxtaposition of having a tight beat or a dope beat you can nod your head to. But then once you listen to it, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like he's not, he's not promoting drinking at all. <laughs> he's condoning it. Um, which I think is an interesting approach to addressing issues in the community. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Um, and uh, and in that in that same direction where you're going with the end, um, I wanted to bring up an artist whose um, early career, beginning of the career was most definitely uh, promoting drug use and um, his addiction was well known to where he is now. And uh, that artist is Gucci Mane. Um, if you guys, I don't know, you guys are, a lot of people on here are younger, but if you look at like Gucci Mane, when he first um, came out and, um, and his music and just his physical look, he, he had an addiction to uh to pills to lean he uh he was steeped in drug addiction and making a lot of bad choices and decisions he was 
um, in and out of jail, um, had a lot of assault charges, and just was living his life reckless in spite of the fact that he had this fame and a name for himself. He was still, uh, his addiction was uh, leading him down a path of destruction. Well, he was incarcerated for a period of time and was able to detox and uh, change his lifestyle. Um, he became more health conscious and exercising on a daily basis and really uh, was able to clear his mind from, from the cloud and the clutter and the, the substances that were in his body. And when he came out, um, he looked completely different. And uh, to the point that people were saying, was he a clone? Like people um, really like legit believed it wasn't even him because he had totally flipped his life. And uh, he wrote an autobiography um, and he really lays out his transition at that point, even though nobody, you know, wants to get locked up. But um, he said that ended up being a blessing for him because he was able to finally detox and get all of that out of his system. And when you compare the pictures of Gucci Mane, like from 2013 up to now, the difference is just, I mean, mind blowing. Uh, and and how uh, how unhealthy he was at that time versus how he looks now, and uh, him being able to use his platform like what you were speaking to, Ian. You know, when when you have the ear of people and you have their attention, it allows you to kind of flip the message and and bring something positive. And so um, that's the the lane that he's been moving more towards. Okay, Christy just texted. She said her internet is messing up. She was trying to get back in here. But um, what um, what can you guys add in and D just about um, some of the harms of uh, these party drugs or pills? Some of you guys um, in the Zoom may have heard of the opioid epidemic that is going on in the country. And sometimes people think, oh, you know, that doesn't affect our communities. But what, what can you share about that, Ian and Dee, about the uh, opioid and the, the pills uh, addictions mm -hmm. that's going on? I definitely, I think, oh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Um, oh, well, I think that it affects us greatly. Like, I think, I feel like it affects us through music because the music is promoting it. And younger generations listen to it. And I feel like it just creates a cycle. Like somebody get one drug, like right now, a lot of people is um, trying to pop perks and stuff. So, and that's because for one, they're around people that's doing it. And, you know, it's like an influence. So it's the music and the actual people that they're around. Cause, you know, I've heard songs that say I pop a perk and I get out of my body. So, you know, and he's like becoming a major artist. He's starting to blow up. Mm hmm Oh yeah, I really feel like it's the music too. Um, I feel like it made them cool, or it get them a feeling, or it helps them to fit in. Well, I think also, um, like I said earlier, um, we got to be conscious of the words we choose to nod our heads to, because if you think of it now, if you look at hip hop now especially like popular hip-hop. You look at popular hip-hop then and you look at popular hip-hop now. Um, popular hip-hop now is on a third grade reading level. So basically, 
that means that like no one's putting too much effort, especially in popular music, no one's putting too much effort into like actually writing out songs. If you notice a lot of the songs now, especially like with those rappers, like, <clears throat> like you said, Lil Xan and, um, you know, just like the new rappers, they, they have this, or even like, what's his name? Lil Pump. Yeah. They have this, this, this formula of repetition. Like they'll keep repeating the same thing over. To me, that's hypnosis. You hear something so many times and it's so, it's so simple to the point where like, okay, this is simple. I can just, I can, there's only three words. Like you're chanting a mantra and if you think about it. So if you hear that so many times, Percocet, Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet, Mm-hmm. It gets trapped into your mind, and then it starts to be like, okay, Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet, what are Molly's, what are Percocet? Yeah. So it's almost like they're putting you under this hypnosis or this hypnotic spell. And um, the thing about it is, I think a lot of the audience don't realize that, like, most of these popular rappers, like, with these labels, they're not trying to promote positivity because they know rapping about pills, rapping about the negative is going to sell records. All they care about is selling records. They don't care about a positive message or they don't care about, you know, empowering uh, people in the community. They don't want to hear, they don't want to promote that. And um, I kind of think, be quiet, but I kind of feel like mainstream rap today is kind of, um, kind of a detriment as far as like you know uh uplifting and as far as like positivity because most of these rappers that be rapping about that stuff they don't even do that like mm-hmm. i read in some article that future doesn't even do percocets and like he's rapping about it and just like tupac said um r.i.p he said you know if you're going to rap about murdering someone, you have to also rap about the consequences that come with murdering someone. You can't just like promote, oh, I'm out here doing this negative stuff without talking about the realistic consequence of what happens if you get caught or if something happens with you doing that. And I feel like that's what's missing in a lot of mainstream rap today. It's that's like, a perfect segue, Ian. That's the perfect, because what you're talking about is the... Uh, the consequences of it. So in the songs and the different artists that you guys have mentioned and um, probably for the most part, the songs in the chat are songs that show the fun side or the party side of drug addiction or drug abuse. It's not showing you the addiction side. And I um, have uh, these pamphlets and we may be able to get some of them um, out to you guys. I'll check with uh, with Mr. Matthews because we do have um, different information packets. Um, but the one specifically on prescription drugs, I feel like, um, like the young lady said, you know, everybody's talking about parts now and um, and Zannies and you know just popping these different pills. I guess sometimes thinking like, well, how bad can it be because it's a prescription? You know, I even hear about people, you know, abusing Adderall. And it's like, well, you know, how can it be that bad if, you know, a doctor prescribed it? Well, um, this information here, um, 
And this is, uh, you can also find it online at drugfreeworld.org. Um, it says the long-term effects of opioid and morphine derivatives. So a lot of these pills and stuff, this is what that falls up under. It says continued use or abuse of opioids can result in physical dependence and addiction. The body adapts to the presence of the drug and withdrawal symptoms occur if use is reduced or stopped. These include restlessness, muscle and bone pain, insomnia, diarrhea, vomiting, and cold flashes with goosebumps. Oh. Tolerance can also occur, meaning that long-term users must increase their doses to achieve the same high. So somebody may start engaging with popping pills because they're at a party and uh, like other people said, that hypnotic music of you know, popping pills or friends are popping pills. Okay, I'll pop a pill. And they're doing it in a fun sense, not knowing that your body becomes uh, uh, gains a tolerance for it. So then you have to use more of the pills to fill an effect. And then it gets to the point where the body actually gets used to the presence of those, uh, those substances being in your body and you can't function without it. And the thing about opioids is um, it is in the, in the same vein as heroin. And uh, heroin is easier to access in a lot of cases than the opioids. So what began is, you know, somebody just having fun at a party, taking a pill can easily transpire into a full-blown heroin addiction. And, um, and that is a lot of what is going to... Uh, through this, this epidemic uh, in the drug world called the opioid uh, epidemic that you guys may have heard of. Um, the thing with, with what's going on with that epidemic and, and how it has been um, branded in the media is uh, that it really does not affect, it, it more so is like a, a, a suburban uh drug addiction or people who are more affluent or have money this is what they're addicted to but uh, like the young lady said it's affecting everybody and when you see how prevalent it is in the music um that definitely makes a difference so i see somebody's hand raised um is it armor you can go ahead with your comment Hello? If you want, you could put the comment in the chat if you uh if you have one. So what do you guys um what do you guys think um that can be done. So we talked about how influential hip hop culture is um, from the negative side, I guess. You know, we really talked about artists who um, promote, I guess we could call it promoting drug culture. Is there a way, do y'all think that, uh, that hip hop can be used to, um, uh, I guess, turn people away from drugs or that could be a positive infusion in, in, the, in the fight against substance abuse? Do you all think that uh, hip hop as a culture can be used in that way, in a positive sense? Well, yes. Uh huh. Who said uh -huh. yes? Go ahead. 
Um, I, I think it can be um, in a positive way, but it's not just like hip hop. You really got to think about like the world and society around you because the system is already messed up. And you think about these record companies that's producing these music, they saying, hey, go rap about this, but make it in the way, oh, it's fun, but don't tell about what's actually going to happen. So if if you want to promote positivity, you actually got to start with from the head down, mm-hmm. then go lower. Because um, reps nowadays, it, it don't be, it be telling you, but it don't fully tell you. Like like what the um this man was saying with the dreads in his head and the uh, glasses on. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it be like, influence you because music will like, hypnotize you. Like, you, you could put a baby to sleep with music. So that's how influential it is. So anybody you sit around with music to, they gonna get hooked, they gonna get attached. And when they fully listen to the song that they heard over and over again, then they understand like, oh, I listen to this, this messed up, this bad. So it's, it's a lot that go on with music that hurts the community, but it also help though. It's music that help you for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, my phone is ringing. But mm-hmm. it's music that help people and understand like some rap music, like I know Big Sean, he was, like he was going off like he didn't care but now he got himself together and he promoting like good music like it, it takes from experience mm-hmm. take that you actually want to help people and influence the people instead of just want the money want for the clout and just hurt people around you um good points yeah. i also i also feel like um like there is there is like rappers and hip hop that actually do promote like positive thinking, positivity. Um, but they're just not promoted. That's the thing. It's like, so you, I can name, I mean, like you got Kendrick, you got Childish Gambino, you got J. Cole, you got Jay Electronica, you got Jay-Z, you know, um, that are actually trying to, like Jay-Z's last album, he was dropping you know, jewels on how to acquire wealth. You know what I'm saying? Like how to, how to make it up out. And um, nobody really talked about that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's almost like, uh, like, like uh, he said, like you have to start from the top, but then also you have to realize that like, also like if the audience decide that we don't want to hear about drug addiction anymore, it's we have the power to like shift that you know what i'm saying so like Mm -hmm. if we all of a sudden as as an audience was like okay we're done listening about drug addiction blah 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 we're not gonna support these type of rappers it's gonna have to change you know what i'm saying so um it's just it's you know you it's almost to a point where you have to seek out you have to hunt for rappers that are promoting positive Positive. positivity uh or positive life Mm-hmm. Um, I see Jocelyn with her hand up. And we got some comments that we need to uh, make sure that we recognize as well. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead and read those comments for us, D. All right. Uh, Mr. Jeremy says, yes, because we have hip-hop artists who actually just make songs to dance to without drugs in the lyrics. Um, you have... Jocelyn, who says, I think so, because some artists will take a turn for the better and encourage people to stay away from temptation, but some will just stay the same because of the money that is offered. It's true. Um, Mm -hmm. Angelise, yes, because there 
have been some real artists who promotes real life hard situations there. There's just a shortage for example, J. Cole or Eminem, but it's not really glorified as if they're being overlooked. Um, Diego says, yes, because you can take a negative lyric and make a positive point and help the community by thinking they are family to you. Wonderful, wonderful, yep, yep. And, and you know, it really does go back to, um, like everybody, well, several people have said, uh, what is actually promoted, what is actually pushed, because there are examples, and, and some examples were listed, of uh, hip hop that is positive or that is promoting positive things. Or I would even, um, especially in seeing Eminem listed in the chat, there are artists who talk about um, substance abuse, but they give you the whole story to it as well. It's not just, okay, let's party and, and you know have a good time. They're going to tell you the story that goes along with it. So that is definitely true. Somebody mm -hmm. said yes and no in the chat. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, you know, and it, that is true. I mean, it, it just depends on how how you choose to use your power. Because, you know, the, the same pen that could be used to write a song of upliftment could be the same pen that's used to write a song of destruction. It's just all in, in what you choose to do. So that, that's a good point. Um, just going go back. Okay, to piggyback on something Mr. Ian said before about the third grade level of hip hop today. It's amazing. I was watching the hip hop awards that came out, the virtual joint, and okay, I know I'm older, and I had no clue who none of those people were performing outside of uh, Alicia Keys. You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing. what I want the kids to understand the relevance, I understand the beat and stuff like that, but the 90s hip hop. Arguably, to me, is the best, you know, version of music ever, and R&B as well. That stuff is timeless. What I mean mm -hmm. was, if people talk about stuff and it's relevant and map, even with N.W.A. and things like that, if that stuff they still talk about that to this day, 30 years later. Mm -hmm. Little mm -hmm. baby, we hear about him in 2022. I'd be surprised. I'm just mm -hmm. being honest with you because those, like you say, they're not speaking to the culture and trying to uplift and trying to build. All that stuff is relevant now. And I don't want you guys to succumb to peer pressure dealing with, like I'm saying, because the drugs and things like that that comes involved because what they're talking about now. You want to talk, they, you listen to stuff that's going to make you think and be motivated to be successful. Not just, the, like you say, you, you want to party and stuff like that, but there's consequences to that partying. And like you right. say, leading to addictions and other things of, of that nature. So no, no, no both sides of the coin now. No both sides of the coin. That's right. And, and these, these artists today, that they in it for the money or the glorification, as Annalise said or Sanaya said. And you want to hear all that stuff will come later. Yeah, that's 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 what I was uh, also gonna say. Is that like. Mm -hmm. All these rappers that's out now, I hope they saving some money. That's right. <laughs> because, um, you know, uh, I think the turnaround for like, or like the longevity of a rapper, um, unless you're like, unless you're like Drake or like, uh, you know, just like um, 
Kendrick or someone like that, um, that can can drop an album every three years and still remain relevant. Um, the turnaround for a rapper is like three years or something like that. Like, so it's just it's it's it, it, and it's a shame because like one one of the things I love about hip hop is that it has employed and it has given jobs to people into our community. It is you know entrepreneurship uh clothing all that you know hip-hop is definitely provided for the community but i feel like a lot of people with in and out of the community kind of see it as like an easy way to make money <laughs> you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. and that's what i'm saying like on the third grade reading level anyone can make a song that's like a third grader can can understand it really takes a talented artist to craft something that actually means something. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that is, and I think we're headed towards that way as far as like the music landscape or the music, um, you know, like the the scene of the music or whatever. But mm -hmm. um, like even trap music is going out of style now. Like people aren't mm -hmm. even doing trap anymore. So it's like, you got to be, I, I just feel like you have to be aware of what is a trend and what trends you feel will last long and what trends are just like, you know, like, like trap music and I, like I compare it now, like I compare uh, modern hip hop now, like fast food. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a formula. It's a quick little assembly line yeah. formula. You add this, you add that, and bam, that's a hit. And then two weeks, three weeks later, you want another quick formula. And well, it's yeah. like you look at fast food, right? There's no substance in fast food. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's easy. You know what I mean? Like, okay, uh, okay, that one song Migos put out, that was dope. Okay, that's probably only gonna be hot for like a month or two and then to the next rapper comes along and does the exact same formula like to me mainstream rap and popular rap today just sounds like everyone is remixing the same song and there is no like there's nothing worth substance anymore mm -hmm. jocelyn in the chat said i listen to artists like 112 and tupac also new artists like Triple X and Kendrick Lamar. And I think that those two new generation artists are helpful because they're so relatable. They reach out uh, to younger generations and stuff and uh, and so do older artists. And and that's, that's the thing, like um, music can span generations. And, uh, and like the gentleman D. Hall said, um, some music is timeless and so um, it didn't hurt to go back to to the older songs of the 90s and and get some substance. I also want to uh, to highlight the fact that within hip hop, artists come out with different types of songs, but what is being promoted. So um, a quick example as our time is winding down, um, because again, uh, we want to put the responsibility on you as well for what you consume and being a responsible listener and listening and, and not just letting uh, thoughts and words flow through your earbuds and you're not paying attention to what those words are saying. Um, but uh, for example, Lil Baby was mentioned. Um, Lil Baby could have, have a, a popular song that's all about kicking it and partying and it blow up the airwaves. 
Then he comes out with a song called The Bigger Picture, which is a socially conscious song, and it won't be given the same publicity. It won't be given the same backing and won't be pushed the same because it's showcasing a positive message. Um, I would challenge you guys to seek out, of course, you know, listen to, to a variety of music and what you like, but seek out music that inspires, even if it is from newer artists. There's artists like Young and Ace and uh, 21 Savage and even some of NBA Young Boy songs, if you go through the catalog, are speaking about their experiences and giving you the full story. So just be a, a consumer that is paying attention to what you're listening to and recognize that you are a leader. You guys have wonderful comments today. Understand the power of music because like you guys said, there is power in music. There is power in words and support artists that are doing good work, you know, support them, help them to, to thrive and, and get their music out there. Uh, we got a couple more minutes left before we end. Um, community wellness team, do y'all have any last comments y'all want to add? Uh, <clears throat> um, just to piggyback off when you asked about how could the music change, you know, as far as what, what's being, what's being produced or put out there for us. Um, you think about, there's a difference between telling your story and promoting negativity. And I think that that's where the music has shifted, where you, you might were saying things that were vulgar or, but it was real. It, it, was, it was telling the problem, it was giving solutions. Now everything is turning up and, and taking this and doing that. But just the visual of Lil Wayne, you could see him looking exactly how he's living you know if you can if you look at how he used to look and how he's looking now and all he talks about is serve and pills and and and, and turning up and living like this and living like that um carter I do was fired. That, huh? <laughs> I said the carter too was fired though <laughs> yeah, I mean, the music is all it's all dope but he's looking exactly oh, yeah, about yeah, like that yeah, you can tell you can tell, you can tell that this stuff is wearing down on him you yeah. know and yeah. he can't really get an artist to start to talk about not taking pills when they're not talking to us or or rapping or speaking to us about self-worth because that's what's going to make you put the pill down if mm. you know about who you personally are. It, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Absolutely. And on that note, because that's a perfect uh, note to, to wrap all this up on, uh, we have to be aware of what we're putting into ourselves, our mind, and our body. So what we're giving off is reflecting positivity because you guys are all leaders. You all have influence. Um, again, we are Aletheia Wellness Community, uh, Aletheia House Community Wellness Team, and uh, we want to encourage all of you guys, whatever your form of expression is, whether it's uh, poetry or singing or rapping or dancing or fashion, whatever it is that you do, recognize that you have a message and a voice and an influence, and take that out to your community, to your peers and let your voice be heard and be that positive example. Um, Mr. Matthews has uh, our contact information. We would love to talk to you guys again or have you join into other lead um, virtual uh, sessions that we do. We have all kinds of virtual sessions on different topics and we were excited to be with y'all today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, uh, thank D. you. Dr. D. Thank you. Uh, 
you can invite them back Thursday for question and answers. That would That's be great. right. Thursday, Ruth will be doing a whole Q&A um, from 10 to 11. So you guys can use the same link um, if y'all are available on that day and jump into the Q&As. And uh, any questions that you thought about between now and then, we'll, we'll chop it up. That's all we do on Thursday. So right. thank you all so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Awesome. So great. You are so